from Transport Topics in Washington, D.C. This is Road Signs. And now here's your host, Michael Fries. Thank you for listening to Road Signs, the podcast series from Transport Topics that explores the trends and technologies that are shaping the future of trucking. Through these past episodes in our series on workforce development, we've had the chance to listen to the insight from leaders in transportation about the aspects and dynamics that go into finding the right people in the industry. Many of the things we've learned in this series was what training facilities are doing to bring in new technicians into the workforce and what fleets are doing to help prepare and attract that talent to join the changing workforce environment. We also understood the process of training a commercial driver and how training facilities are preparing those future drivers. In addition, we looked into how inclusion can play a major role in recruitment and retainment. In our journey, I wanted to approach this topic of workforce development from seed to fruition. That's why we reached out to Ken Boyer, Dean of Auto Diesel Institute and Diesel Service Program Director at Baker College in Michigan, to get a feel of the type of person pursuing a career in auto diesel technology. Well, they need to want to do it. They got to want to do it bad because, as we know, technicians are hard to find. Um, I've been in this industry for about 33 years. And uh, I've taught, I've worked with Navistar for almost 25 years and I've taught technicians through most of that, of, of that time. And it's, it, I know it's real difficult to find technicians that want to do that. Um, they have to, um, they have to want to do it. They have to understand that there's investment in themselves and investment in tools and time in order to, uh, you know, take this career on and, and, and make it a career for the rest of their, for their lives. So um, right now we work on the students when they come in, we work on them to make sure that they understand what they're getting into. They understand that, um, that um, you know, if this is what they choose to do, they're going to have to invest in it. The biggest thing that I'm dealing with at the, at the school right now is just to make sure that not only are, the, are we making sure that we're getting the students there, but we're also making sure that we've got good instructors there, that we've got current information, and that we've got good advisory guidance from our advisory board. So when we put all that together, then we know that we can provide the students with what they need. What's also important, Boyer mentioned, is the relationships with the fleets in training new technicians. In Baker College's case, they interact with several fleet representatives that serve on their advisory boards. Yeah, if it wasn't for the advisors, uh, those guys steer us in the right direction. They're telling us what we're looking for. Just like I said, if it's a fleet, we need to know, we need to know they need to know uh, the foundational basics of, of a truck and everything around that truck. Um, and then, of course, if it's a dealership, dealers often want a little bit more on the electrical side, uh, lighting systems, things like that, more diagnostic equipment, stuff like that, uh, and how to operate and how to use the software. So our performance classes get into that when we get to that level. From the fleet perspective on technician recruitment and retainment, I spoke with Ralph Romero, Vice President of Talent Management at U.S. Express as he explained the benefits of having a relationship between fleets and tech schools. The tech schools only know our expectations based off of how much time that they spend with us. So they only know what they know. So for us to close the gap, which is the mutual relationship, right? It's in their best interest to place candidates, right? It's good for their recruiting. And then it's in our best interest to make sure that what they are developing in-house is going to fit us because that helps our, our talent pipeline. Um, so those, those lines of communication absolutely have to be open. And I would say the locations that we have the best relationships are, are the ones that we see the tech schools coming on site to U.S. Express. And then you also see our personnel going on site to the tech schools. And uh, it's not just, a, hey, we're showing up to a tech career fair. Right? If you're just showing up to a tech career fair and that's the first time that they've heard about your organization, you're too late. Right. Um, if you're not if you're not in the classroom, if you're not providing value uh, to the students in a different way other than just showing up to a, uh, a career fair 
you're already too late to the game, especially when you talk about tech recruiting. Also in our series, and it's kind of hard to avoid in this moment in time, we touch upon COVID-19 and its influence on workforce training. I discussed this with Chris Drop, CEO and president of Sage Truck Driving School. Well, it, ha- it has obviously had an impact on our business, uh, I mean, on our customers and, and on students and, and costs. So we were shut down for a couple months and that, that uh, varied by state, which made it kind of difficult that different states were making different decisions. But um, there, there have been some challenges in terms of operating with the health concerns, but we've, we've essentially, um, you know, put in place the CDC recommended guidelines. So um, everybody's wearing a mask and we're trying to social distance and keep, keep students uh, separated. The one interesting thing about our program, um, you know, the, the, just in terms of how we deliver the CDL training is all of our training is done with one student per truck. It always has been. So most schools are putting three or four students in a truck when they go out on the road. Uh, we have always only had the instructor and one student in the truck. So that made that kind of that kind of social distancing much easier because we were used to doing that. Um, whereas a lot of schools had to figure out how do we instead of being four to one in a truck, how do we go to one on one to one in a truck? Whereas we've been doing that for, for a long time, but we, you know, we just had to add different uh, procedures for temperature uh, checks and cleaning and, and, um, and testing where that's required. Um, recruiting changed uh, significantly. There, there really are not visits by recruiters at this point. For the most part, most of the recruiting is done by Zoom, which I think is, you know, it's hard. Um, the other big issue that we've had um, just in operating the schools is the the shutdown of so many of the, the uh, departments of motor vehicles. So it's difficult getting students in to get a permit uh, knowledge test, get them in to uh, actually get their CDL once they pass the CDL test, and also to get uh, make arrangements for CDL testing when it's done by the state. So those have been some challenges, but, you know, we're, we're holding our own. We're getting through this. We've got some great employees who are just really focused on continuing to do a good job and solving problems and dealing with the situation. And that has made all the difference in the world. Transforce Group is your one-stop shop for carrier solutions. From driver development to carrier business needs, we are the number one choice to keep trucking firms on a path to growth. We offer innovative solutions in compliance and safety, digital recruiting, employment solutions such as driver and mechanic placement, and driver education and training. Transforce Group is here to help. Visit transforcegroup.com to get on the road to success today. In the macro view, Don LaFay, president and CEO of the Commercial Vehicle Training Association, provided a glimpse of how most schools are handling this new normal, but also how the pandemic created a bottleneck in the regulation process. I would say the pandemic has changed many things about truck driver training. Uh, first, we have to follow CDC guidelines, which means it's changed how we train. Social distancing has really changed the way we teach in the classroom or in the cab of a, of a truck. So whereas, let's say in a normal year, we would do, let's say, three or four students in the, the cab for road training and rotated them. Uh, we're really seeing more like one-on-one training or two-to-one. Now, 
this doesn't change the amount of seat time the student receives, um, but it really has changed the method the school has to employ. Um, I would also say, second, we're, we're seeing the need to add additional instructors, uh, which again may limit the number of students that can be taught. Uh, so finding instructors pre-COVID was you know, somewhat tough, but it's even tougher now to find those willing to teach, um, but also meet the experience that the schools require. So schools that are having problem, you know, finding or adding instructors are therefore kind of limited to existing capacity uh, that each instructor can handle. Um, and then in terms of, you know, how is the, the pandemic impact driver training? Uh, I think it's important for listeners to understand that we're certainly seeing a renewed interest in students looking to become truck drivers. Um, but there are problems in many states uh, in that the states or, or their state driver's license agency, which is really a DMV, is unable to keep pace with the demand. Um, so right now we're seeing uh, about 17 states that have pretty extensive delays um, and the delays are really coming to get an appointment in the commercial learner's permit written exam. It could be a delay to get a CDL skills test or a delay to, to really get the physical CDL issue. And the, very, the reasons kind of vary in each state, you know, where or, or why these problems are occurring. But it's, it's really typically the result of, you know, the supply of appointments that a DMV can offer and really... What, what it amounts to is, you know, folks are taking longer to get licensed. So appointments in many of those 17s are, you know, booked out 30, 60, sometimes 90 days. So imagine if you're trying to get trained, but you got to wait, you know, 30 or 60 days just to get an appointment for your commercial learner's permit written exam. You know, that could be very problematic for the student or the school to, to, to get them in enrolled and, and, uh, and trained and then out with their CDL license. So, you know, the, and, and the same delay really applies to, in some states, the CDL skills exam or the physical licensing. So, you know, if you have, you know, 30 or 60 days to get your CLP, 30 or 60 days to get your CDL skills test, or 30 days, you know, to get your physical CDL, I mean, that that's just adding months and months of time uh, onto the process. So we're, we're just seeing, it's not a lack of, of interest. It's just um, a lack of ability to really, you know, translate that into to licensed drivers. Going further in our series, we looked into the involvement of women in the trucking industry. But first, I want to go back to an earlier episode of Road Signs, when co-host Seth Clevenger spoke with Lily Shin president and chief operating officer of Transfix, a digital freight broker that has built an online marketplace for on-demand trucking. In that episode, she touched upon the reoccurring theme about this topic, the lack of diversity in the executive suite, and what can the industry do to include a more diverse representation? I wish there was one silver bullet, uh, but you do have to do it all. It's not an easy answer, but that's why it has to start from the top. Um, there needs to be a commitment to diversity because being able to hire a diverse team doesn't necessarily even guarantee a strong culture and better results. Um, you know, the executives have to be committed to it. You have to bring on the best people and you really have to develop them. The leadership team has to build a culture that fosters the generation of ideas and continuous improvement, um, really help people to synthesize what's most important and take bets and collaborate to achieve results 
and be constantly thinking about the development of these individuals. And you know, while we're talking about building that culture internally, I think it's equally important that we're catalyzing this uh, across the industry and driving this externally with the broader transportation community as well. And I'm a firm believer that it's never about one individual or one company. We have to come together to drive the change, which is why it's really exciting for me. Um, technology continues to be a driving force for change, but we're also seeing new hungry generation of talents, you know, seeking to have larger impact beyond ourselves. And we have the opportunity to shape that today. Shen's comments on diversity echoed the thoughts of Ellen Voyer and Deborah Babin-Katz. As the president and CEO of Women in Trucking, Voyer noted that although the boardroom may be absent of female representation, the awareness of the lack of it continues to grow. Let's go into the boardroom. Um, in the past, it was typically, uh, you know, very male dominated. And I always like to say that every large trucking company out there started with one man and one truck. And so our goal is to see large trucking companies out there started by a woman in a truck. But in the process, we're seeing more women taking over the companies from their dads, whether they're trucking or logistics companies. So that um, is very satisfying to watch. But women are more risk averse, whether they're drivers or in the boardroom. So if women are avoiding risks at a higher percentage than males, what does that mean? That means that if the decision to maybe acquire a new facility or to buy another company or, you know, certain decisions that are made in the boardroom, women will look at the options and say, hey, are there any other options that I need to consider and will take longer to make to come to that conclusion where men typically will remove options that they don't consider viable and, and then reduce them to only one or two and then choose the best option in a very short time. So that right there is unconscious bias. If your um, culture uh, values quick decision-making. So things like that, we point out um, ways that this industry and a lot of male dominated industries have built in unconscious bias and make people more aware of it so that women can um, not just enter the industry, but, um, be elevated and advanced. And I have to tell you, um, the 15 publicly traded trucking companies, half of them have no women in leadership roles. And about a third of them have no women in their boardroom. So we do have a long ways to go. And I think by pointing out these discrepancies, uh, we'll, we'll make people sit up and take notice. Katz, who is past chair of the Women in Trucking Foundation and vice president of Truck Brush Corporation, said in our series that while advocating for more women in leadership positions, it is also important for women to build each other up in this mission of inclusion. And what I have experienced is that it's really important to also, as women, go outside the company and develop relationships by joining organizations like the Women in Trucking Association or ATA or your local trucking association and getting involved in those organizations. And, and for me personally, that's what I did. And now I serve on several boards. Um, I serve on the executive um, board for the Massachusetts Trucking Association. I mentioned that I serve on Rhode Island and I've been actively involved in the Women in Trucking Foundation. But those are opportunities to actually serve already on a board outside of your company and to highlight your skills and to hone your skills and develop really important relationships with both men and women 
You know, these are people that are in top management, very intelligent um, individuals that you're, you have an opportunity to work. Sure, it's a boatload of work and you have to do it on your free time, so to speak. But those experiences can only add to your professional and personal development. And I think that that is important to, to be able to show your company, you know, what you can achieve even outside the walls of your company. And, and for me, it's also about giving back, of course. But I do believe that there's many opportunities that women can seek that are even outside the walls of their own office. Transforce Group is committed to supporting our country's veterans. We help veterans transition from the military into a successful career in transportation. We offer CDL licensed training programs for veterans and are approved for the training of eligible veterans using the GI Bill. Want to hire a veteran? Visit transforcegroup.com forward slash education and training to learn more. In exploring workforce development, the one thing that I've learned is that we just scratched the surface on this topic. Finding the right driver and technician while keeping an eye on the societal makeup of our community in this industry's workforce is a continuing work in progress. And oh, by the way, this is all done in the middle of a pandemic. As we move on to the new year, we can bet that the process of development will continue to evolve, as well as our journey to explore more trends about it. Watch this space. If you enjoyed this episode of Road Signs, please let others know. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. If my questions have sparked questions of your own, share them with the Road Signs team or reach me on Twitter at Michael V. Freeze. You can email us at share at ttnews.com. We'll read them and respond daily. And of course, we'll be back in two weeks with more episodes of Road Signs. Until then, I'm Michael Freeze. Thank you for listening. 